Hi everyone, it's John. And Ben. And welcome back to Santa by the Minute, the podcast where Ben and I talk about 1985's Santa Claus the Movie. One minute at a time. And this week we are going to be talking about minute number 55. Yeah. Before we get into the actual minute, I do have a little bit of stuff to talk about here at the top of the show. The first being, you know, as you know, last week we hit the halfway mark of the movie. And throughout this journey, we are keeping track of who is getting more screen time in the movie. Because we want to see at the end, when the last minute ends, who appeared more in the movie. Was it Santa, played by David Huddleston, or Patch, played by Dudley Moore? So, Ben, are you ready for the stats here at halftime before we start Minute 55? I am ready. So, the score currently is Santa at 47 minutes Mm -hmm. and Patch at 31 minutes. So Santa has quite the lead right now. Yeah, he does. But, you know, Patch could still make it up here in the second half of the movie. I wouldn't count him out just yet. I mean, it's looking like Santa's game right now. I mean, it is his movie, but you're going to have to stay tuned here and uh, see who's going to come out on top. I mean, I know that it is his movie, but Dudley Moore gets top billing on every commercial announcement, poster, sign. So I wouldn't be surprised if he is in it just maybe a minute or two more. I don't know. We'll find out if he has his big comeback at the end. (laughs) Speaking of Patch, you know, we're not going to be seeing him at all in this minute. No. In fact, we haven't even seen him since minute 48. I hope you guys aren't missing him too much. (laughs) Santa's going to get in all that screen time he can during this period. Yes. In real time, it's only like a 10-minute stretch without Patch. But in our time, it's like three months. I know. It's a long time. (laughs) So a few weeks ago, while talking about the career of Christian Fitzpatrick, who plays Joe in this movie, of course, and who we do see in this minute. Yes. We mentioned that his only other film role was his appearance in 1988's body swap comedy, Vice Versa. We even played the entire audio from the trailer, and Joe, or Christian, I should say, isn't even in the trailer. No. Anyway, it wasn't until recently that I realized that Dudley Moore himself was also in a 1980s body swap comedy, Like Father, Like Son, with Kirk Cameron. Dr. Jack Hammond had one of the most brilliant minds in the medical community until he and his son... Hi. Hi. ...exchanged minds. Chris? Dad? There's no such thing as a brain transference. Now, the doctor... See ya. ...is back in high school. It's really not cool to scam on your own son's date. The main bronchi and its branches are evenly distributed about the... Now, I don't remember that at all. But there were so many body swap movies that took place... I don't think it's even possible to have seen them all. You know what I mean? It was just so popular in that time frame. And they're still doing them today. That's like a, a concept that I don't think will ever die. You know what I mean? Now, I just figure that Dudley was following the trend. But I think Dudley may have been the trendsetter. Oh, really? L- listen, to, listen to this timeline. Okay. Like Father Like Son was released in October of 1987. Mm-hmm. Vice Versa was released in 1988. Big with Tom Hanks was released in 1988. Also 18 again with George Burns and Charlie 
I can't say his name, Charlie Schlatter, was released in 1988. So Dudley was actually the first, well, I mean, Freaky Friday was probably the first, but Dudley beat all three of those other body swap 80s comedies. Interesting. Interesting. We need to have like a movie marathon of body swap comedies, apparently. It, that would take us forever. Because, I mean, what do you, what <laughs> constitutes as body swapping? Is it just when two characters, like, their souls go into a different body? Or is it when, like, um, the Parent Trap movies where they're just swapping places, but it's kind of the same thing? You know, they're two people in two totally different lives trying to figure it out. You know what I mean? Well, as far as our podcast is concerned, we could probably have a double feature. We could yes. watch like Father Like Son <laughs> with Dudley Moore and Kirk Cameron and vice versa and keeping our eye out right. for Christian Fitzpatrick's other film role. But then watch Parent Trap with Carrie K. Heim. Parent Trap 2. Yeah. 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 <laughs> this sounds like a great triple feature and too bad they aren't available anywhere right now. Someday in the future when we forget all about this. They'll be available for us to do it. <laughs> well, in the case of like father, like son and vice versa, they currently aren't available anywhere that we're subscribed to or for free for streaming. But you, kn- you know, the day that we spend that two ninety nine on Amazon, like the next day is like, oh, hey, we could watch it on Crackle or Peacock or some other streaming service. Or we find it at a yard sale in a free bin for VHS. <laughs> 1988 was definitely the peak for crazy body swap comedies. You know, yeah. like the 90s was like a golden age for movies about animals playing sports. Mm-hmm. The 80s was all about body swapping. Yes. <laughs> anyway, how about we fly into this minute? What do you okay. say? Yeah, let's talk about Santa Claus again. <laughs> so where a minute opens and the sleigh is still in flight, Joe finishes asking Santa what he started to ask last week, where we left off with, with Joe saying, what, what? <laughs> What Joe actually was asking is, where are we going? Santa responds, Well, we can't joyride all night. I've got a job to do, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah! <laughs> I would like to point out that, Santa, you actually could technically joyride all night if you wanted to. You do have an endless night. This has been established by the Ancient One. You could kind of goof around all you want. There's no set time limit. That's true. I don't know. I don't know how the endless night would affect if you had like a somebody with you, like Joe. Say. Yeah, you don't know if it's endless for Joe. Like Joe's in like a time freeze. <laughs> but okay, so this this opens another question. Okay, it just it just popped into my head. So okay. <laughs> if it's an endless night, it's basically time stands still or it goes extremely slow right he's santa's kind of like quicksilver you know he's like to us like buzzing in and out of all these places but for him it's like a normal night right okay yeah you're following me so far so why is it when he's flying around with joe or just in the sleigh cars and boats are going at normal speed well that is a good question and I think this could play into my all-knowing Santa theory because he may have like unpaused the endless night to go in real time mm-hmm. to interact with Joe and Cornelia. Okay. All right. Okay, can I'll go. Can you buy into that? We can go with that. Yeah, I mean, that works just as much as anything, I suppose. 
So after Joe says, oh yeah, Santa snaps the reins of the sleigh and gives out a little ho-ho-ho laugh. <laughs> and um, in my notes, I did make a note of, I was wondering if the buildings in the background are ones that they've already passed before or not. Because I, never, I wasn't really paying attention to what exactly they were passing, but you had been to make, to make the map on the website. But I didn't know if it was like a Fred Flintstone driving to work thing where they keep passing the same background it's, footage over and over and i hadn't picked up on it it is not quite like that basically they are just going back and forth along the city you know like you they're going from um the brooklyn bridge like tip you know all the way up to central park and then back down and then back up and then back down i think they've made the trip about four times from what i can piece together I've been so you think they're like flying in a circle? Around... No, they're going back and forth. They're like like going down, making a Yui, coming back up, making a Yui, going back down. Interesting. From what I can tell, um, it's very hard because I am not a New York City native. I do not know these buildings other than, you know, just the famous ones you see. So I, and I don't know where anything is other than... You know, I don't know the locations of these places in my mind without having to think about it. So I've been doing a lot of Google, Google, I've been doing a lot of Google mapping and satellite view and terrain view and street view to figure out what buildings you can see in the background and where they are in relation to those buildings to be able to map it out. And one of the minutes I wasn't able to really map. So there's a gap because um, it was when Joe was driving and he was just kind of going all over the place, but they weren't showing any actual buildings. Like they were just showing like, like close close-ups of windows and walls. So I couldn't really tell where they were, you know, it, it wasn't descriptive enough for me able to make Joe's full path. But they haven't been doing a Flintstones the same thing. Like, you don't just keep seeing a repeater of the Empire State Building. Like, they're flying back and forth and back and forth. And I'm sure they've been there this entire time, probably this entire movie, I'm sure. But in the, it wasn't until rewatching this minute over and over that I noticed that the, the bells, not mm -hmm. sleigh bells, not like the round little sleigh bells mm -hmm. that, you know, you typically picture on Santa's sleigh but he has like a row of actual bells yeah like right in front of you can see them in right in front of him and joe in this particular shot mm -hmm. of various sizes i just in my head i was like all oh, this time it's like i just picturing the little sleigh bells that must be on the reins of the reindeer but no he has like a row of bells like big bells it's it's santa's like hey i'm here i'm coming <laughs> santa's here <laughs> like the ice cream man yes <laughs> we see the sleigh from a distance landing on top of a large building next and i was wondering is this an actual building in new york i think it's just a painting um i i think that it, it i don't think that it's an actual real place it may be modeled after a real place i don't know if it really exists but um i think it's just a painting just by the way it's outlined and everything when the sleigh goes by and this is a huge building. I, I'm presuming it's a, a apartment building of some sort. Mm -hmm. 
all the lights are out in this building. Everybody's asleep, but there is uh, two windows on the low on a lower floor that have lights on in the window. So obviously Santa and Joe aren't going there. That's probably some nope. uh, old man old man Johnson watching the late show or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we next cut straight to Joe and Santa inside a living room. Yeah. Now I'm curious, Ben. I'm mm-hmm. curious. You have the novel. I, I have do? never read the novel. We've said this many a time on this podcast, but. In the book, did anything take place between the sleigh landing on this rooftop and them getting into the house? Yes. So what happens here is uh, after Santa says, you know, I've got a job to do, is when he takes the reins from Joe. So in the book, he, he took the reins a little bit later than than in the movie. Uh, then... It says he guided the reindeer down and down to a precise eight point landing on the flat, snowy surface of a dark and silent rooftop. I thought that was funny. An eight point landing. (laughs) Eight reindeer. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Joe climbed down from the sleigh, helping Santa lift down his enormous sack filled with brightly wrapped presents. And then before he could even ask what they were going to do next, Joe found himself standing beside Santa inside the apartment. Just he had found himself suddenly on the roof a short time before. Many years ago, the elves had devised a magic spell that would allow Santa Claus to enter and leave any home with only a nod, regardless of the locks and chains and precautions that kept most normal nighttime visitors outside. Well, that clarifies some questions that we had in earlier minutes about Santa's poofing abilities. Mm-hmm. Yep. It must have been something maybe the ancient elf came up with. I can't think of any other elf at the North Pole that would have come up with a spell. I don't know. I, mean, I don't know. I don't know who does spell work at the North Pole. They never once mention. <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't seem like it'd be Dooley or Gooba. <laughs> I don't <Vout>. know. <laughs> maybe Groot does spells along with his cooking. <laughs> In his spare time, he's also the he's a head chef, but he's also the uh, magic spell wizard guy. Yes. You know, I mean, it's all cooking, right? <laughs> True. I I, I want to go with that. I'm going to okay. say Groot is the one who comes up with the potions and the, just a little sprinkle of stardust here. Maybe that's why he's with Santa and Anya all the time. He's trying to help them come up with things that make things better. So this does raise a question, like, okay, this spell works for Santa. It must also work for people who are, like, in close vicinity of Santa. I, well, I don't know. Nobody else does it yet in the movie. Well, Joe had to have got down that chimney somehow. Well, I guess. I mean, yeah, maybe Santa can choose who he poofs with. Because I was wondering if there was any back and forth, like, Joe going, how are we going to get in here? I can't no. sit down that chimney. No. No, just like they land on the roof and poof, he's in the living room. Yeah, they land on the roof. Joe is helping him with his sack out of the sleigh and then poof. And I don't really understand why. I mean, I guess it's just because Santa always has it. But I don't understand why Santa even has a sack that he carries in and out. I mean, unless he's poofing from apartment to apartment to apartment in one building, why does he need to bring a sack for just one present? Look how tiny that fishing rod package is like he could have just carried it to the tree 
Yeah, he could have reached in the bag in the sleigh and only carry in the handful of gifts that go to that particular house. Right. It seems like, like a lot of extra work to fling that ginormous sack over your shoulder. Right. Like we, Not like, to mention the back pain that he must have at his age. Exactly. You know, like Ernest Saves Christmas, where it's just like a whole bunch of little glowy balls and you just pull out what you need. Like, why can't he just pull out the present he needs and bring it with it now in the tim allen santa claus i don't remember the bag being big and bulky no. i remember it was like an empty bag you just would get, yeah. reach in it like it was like the mary poppins bag you know right. you reach in and, oh here's a soccer ball and here's a canoe i'm pulling out well, like what he's bringing is clearly not the same sack that's in the back of the sleigh where they put all of the presents that's true the one in the back of the sleigh has like a christmas tree yeah, design it's on ginormous a you know like there's no way he's carrying that around so he has like an alternate sack like he has an, an alternate big bulky <laughs> sack full of toys. Yeah, I, I find that it is overly redundant. I think that's a step they could probably take out. You would think after hundreds of years, the elves would have said, "Hey Santa, you know, you just uh, bring in what you need. You don't right. need a backup giant burlap sack with you at all times." I mean, I can understand if he's going from apartments, like you know, like if it's an apartment complex, okay, and he's true. going from. You know, uh, apartment unit to unit to unit to unit. I can understand that, but we don't see that happening here. Well, I'm going to presume maybe we just don't see it in the movie. That's a huge building. There's got to be more than yeah. one child who lives in this big New York apartment building. But I'm going to put a pin in that because later on we go somewhere that, that you know, and so we could bring this circle this back around and okay. test this theory later. All right, we'll we'll put a pin in this one. <laughs> <laughs> so we see a close-up joe is crouched down looking at a picture frame this whole shot especially the dvd version is super dark yes. you really can't tell what he's looking at if you watch the you know the dvd version and then he gets up and s t turns to santa and goes here i made the connection you know i'm slow you know it only took 36 years it's like oh he's looking at a picture of a kid but it's like a black frame in this dark room i always assumed joe was saying something like is that for the kid who lives here to santa but no he's asking santa is this the kid who lives here because joe was looking at a picture but the picture is we the audience do not see the kid in the picture frame we only see the back of the black picture frame um, before you before santa answers I just have, uh, Joe stared around him at the silent living room with its holiday decorations, at the Christmas tree in its center, twinkling with colored lights and shiny ornaments. The embers of a fire still glowed in the fireplace, which we don't see, but... And the red and green striped stockings hung from the mantle. A plate of cookies sat waiting for Santa on, en on an end table beside the somewhat worn but comfortable-looking plaid sofa. Joe sighed, gazing around him in quiet yearning as he found himself standing in a perfectly normal living room, in a real home that belonged to some lucky kid. His gaze fell on a picture sitting on the end table of a man, a woman, posing with their arms around a little boy, all smiling happily beside a sparkling blue lake. Wow, so now we can picture mm -hmm. what Joe saw in that picture frame, and I wouldn't be surprised if this was filmed and they cut it you know right. joe looking around the living room because it seems pretty abrupt like they land on the roof and then joe's like looking intently at this picture so santa does respond to joe's question and goes yep what do you get fishing rod how come 
asked. What do you ask for in his letter? You mean if a kid writes anything he wants? Joe, didn't you ever write me a letter? I never believed in... Then Santa gives him a mm-hmm <laughs> type look. I mean, hey, I never needed nothing. See, I usually travel light. Santa turns and picks up a cookie off the plate on the mantle, hands it to Joe, and then gets one for himself. Santa then does the uh, laying a finger aside of his nose gesture that originated in the Night Before Christmas poem. Joe does the same, and then they both poof back up the chimney out of the house. So I didn't know if, you know, to get down they needed to do the... Mm -hmm putting the finger aside of your nose thing. But maybe that's only to get back up the chimney. No, or do you think, think Santa's doing it just for show? It's like, hey, it's the, it's the poem thing. He does it every time. Did he do it? Did he do it back in that minute where he goes, well, here I go again, during the montage or one of our many montages? Uh, I don't remember him doing it every time. So maybe it's like a, like a thing for the kids. Yeah, he's like, you know, I got to do this, you know. This, this is my thing. <laughs> <laughs> so i do have a little bit uh before we take a look at the apartment building that their apartment unit i guess that there's the living room the living room that they're standing in uh back when joe says see i usually travel light from the book claus stood silently for a moment as more emotions welled up in him than he ever could express to this boy he knew that this was not the time or place to try to share them the boy had his pride. It was all he had, and Santa knew better than to wound it. Instead, he took one more cookie for himself, handed Joe the other one, left on the plate. And then that's when they poof off to Let's Travel Now. Claus has a little understanding of, of, of Joe's emotions in this moment. Not just a, hey there, kid, I'm standing right here. You know, you believe in me now. <laughs> Yeah, I got the last laugh. <laughs> Joke's on you, huh, kid? You could have been asking for stuff all along. <laughs> I like to do this every Christmas Eve. Pick one kid who doesn't believe in me, make him feel like a chump. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. So before we leave this scene... Let's talk about this living room. There are a lot of very subtle details in this scene that gives us an idea mm -hmm. of the family who lives in this house. Yep. And your little uh, paragraph in the book actually gives us an idea that maybe there was like a... I could totally picture like Joe like looking around the room like a panoramic shot of more things that we do see, but it's all background detail in the movie. Yeah. And a lot of it you can't even see on the DVD, like I said earlier, because the scene is so dark on the on the DVD. But if you go to your streaming version on Amazon or if you go to your Blu-ray, you see everything crystal clear. Yeah. I don't think I even took note of the background until we saw it in the uh, theater a year or so ago. Mm -hmm. Especially there's a couple framed pictures that are in the background. One is a Bible verse in Spanish, and then the other is a little plaque you see behind Santa that says Feliz Navidad. So you know this is a Latino or Hispanic family in mm -hmm. this house. Yep. And it like it's so it's so subtle. <laughs> very, very subtle. But it's they are obviously a very religious family, you know, from looking at all of the items they have placed around their home and on their mantle and 
but they also love their pets because they have ginormous pictures of what I think is a cat and a dog. It could be two dogs. Um, I can't really tell even on the high def version. It's really hard to tell what animals they are, but they love they look, them a lot. <laughs> they look like those silhouette paintings, you know, like, yeah. like back in the day, you know, people would have like silhouette of their kid. Yeah, you know, painted onto there is canvas. A, there is a little color variation in them, so it's not a okay. silhouette. But I can see where you would get that from the DVD version for sure. Yeah, especially my DVD ver- yeah. version. Your DVD version is even more compressed than the normal DVD version. And it's very well decorated, not just with uh, religious mm-hmm. things, but just Christmas stuff in general. There's like a little figurine of Santa. I thought he was on a train, but you think, looking at the clearer version, he's playing a drum? I think so. I, I can't really tell, but I can see where you would get the train from. But it looks like he's holding drumsticks in his hand, or maybe he's holding a tray, or I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I thought it could, be... it, it could be anything, I guess, really. Yeah, I'm picturing like it must be one of those like wind-up toys, you know? Yeah. You know, nowadays we have the things that you can get at Walgreens or whatever where right. you just you press their foot and they play like, mm-hmm. nah, 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 nah. We only have 500 of them around here. <laughs> but back in the day, you have to you have to wind something up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and also speaking of Santa, you, you notice that on the bookshelf, it's like one of those long, I don't even know how to describe it in audio form. They're, they're draft stoppers that you put along the bottom of a floor and a door to stop the air from going in and out, you know, to keep a room warmer. But they have it as a decoration on a bookshelf that looks like Santa has really long arms and he's just chilling out on the shelf with a head in the middle of the shelf, like, ho, 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 I'm popping out of your books. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder what Santa thinks of, you know, seeing himself as toys like the toy maker is now a toy sort of thing i don't know do you think it's like the greatest honor maybe i bet probably the first time he started appearing he was probably pretty tickled by it you know yeah he's probably like unless he was proud yeah unless he was upset with how they made him so chubby but true you know he he was very happy at first like they wrote a poem about me well 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 (laughs) yeah (laughs) now i'm wondering Thinking back on that poem, do you think that the author of the poem was one Clement of Moore? Yeah, was one of the kids <laughs> who saw him by accident when he was a kid, and that's how he wrote the poem about him. Possibly. Well, that's you know other you know kids catching a glimpse of Santa is another thing we'll have to put a pin yeah. in for a future minute. I don't know. It's just coming up very soon. Stay tuned. Cliffhanger. Cliffhanger. But let's go back to the family that lives here because we talked about the uh, religious Mm -hmm. artifacts things, artifacts around the room. Mm -hmm. But uh, above the mantle, you can see it when the camera is like more focused on Joe. Yeah. But you can see framed pictures of what we have to assume is like a memorial to family members who have passed on. One looks like it may have been a police officer in a uniform and the other looks a little older. It's Mm -hmm. either a grandparent of some sort. And there's also a uh, Virgin Mary, I believe, uh, candle in the middle there. And you have actually figured out what Bible verse is framed in yes. that picture. Thankfully, they have the little, the MT 5.9 on the bottom so that we could find it a little easier. But 
before we noticed that we were trying to translate this with just with missing words you know trying to figure out what it said missing some of the words but we i think we have figured it out and what this verse says is blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of god now do you have it's it's matthew 5.9 yeah it is matthew 5.9 i don't i don't know what this is referring to um i am not educated (laughs) in this but uh it says so right on the picture there so and it's kind of funny i think all this stuff in this background of this minute is as religious as this movie gets yeah i think so yep you know aside from some background joy to the world type stuff Mm -hmm. you know music wise but Mm -hmm religious wise it's like this is pretty much all we see yeah it is and you wouldn't even notice it unless you were crazy enough to be watching it one minute at a time (laughs) doing a podcast about it every single week very true (laughs) all right i've reached the end of my notes ben but i do have a note here that says remind ben of the comic yes so the comic does not talk about this particular household it has a picture of santa and the picture is not very good, but since I know what's going on, I could tell that that is Santa and Joe with the reindeer. And Joe is asking, how am I doing, Santa? And Santa says, just fine, Joe, just fine. In fact, I think I'll let you take us to our next stop. So in the comic book, Joe is actually the one who lands the reindeer on the rooftop to the next house. It is not this house, but it is the next house in the comic book. Little variation there on the comic book and the movie and the book. So let me get this straight. So Joe was the one who landed the reindeer on this rooftop in the comic. Yes. Did Santa take the reins after a reckless joyride in the comic? Did no. the joyride take place? No. So they, they well, they, you know, it was necessity to have mm-hmm. to condense a lot of the movie for the comic book. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like Joe, like, really took to flying yeah. the sleigh in the comic. Yeah, yeah. I suppose I should note, and I, I, I did mention it in my notes, but I glossed it over. After Joe and Santa in this minute, poof, out of the frame, out of the living room, then we cut to Santa's point of view mm-hmm. of the sleigh flying through the air again, and they're heading to a very familiar-looking townhouse. See those reindeer and their jingle bells for about... I don't know, fraction of a second. <laughs> I wonder where this, this, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to search what this is. This is clearly on the side of, I'm going to assume Central Park. And there's buildings and these two little itty bitty buildings. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to go to Street View again and figure out where this is. Well, who knows if this is even in New really York? in New York. Well, we'll Because find remember out. the, uh. The townhouse itself was the back lot of Pinewood Studios. Yeah, but you can't really see the town. You can't see the details here to tell whether or not that's the same house that they used for those exterior shots or not. But as far as this minute is concerned, we don't know where they're going. I suppose that's true. They're just heading to the next house on Santa's rounds. Exactly. Don't be jumping ahead. You're breaking the rules again. Well, there's going to be a lot of rule breaking in the next couple of minutes. And part of it's for the movie's fault, but we'll get to that soon. (laughs) 
That's true. When the movie doesn't edit things in the correct order, it is very hard for us to follow along minute by minute. But it's fascinating seeing how it's like a little different in the novel and a little mm -hmm. different in the comic book. Yeah. Which I guess is probably how it goes with all movies and, and books and, and whatnot. But it's interesting to put it together like this. It isn't often that you have someone doing all three at the same time. You know, you either watch the movie, then read the book, or vice versa. And then, you know, read the comic book in your spare time in between the two. You don't actually watch the movie, read the book, and the comic sequentially as you're going along, you know. I know it was unintentional, but I like how you brought this whole episode full circle by saying, <laughs> or vice versa. <laughs> You're welcome. I did that on purpose. I don't know what you're talking about. That was all planned. So anything else to add before we uh, wrap it up this week? Uh, no, I don't think so. And if any of you listeners, our dear listeners, have anything to add about this minute or any of the minutes we covered so far, believe us, we'll read it on the show. I know we have asked you questions and no one has answered them. So oh, that, rem that reminds me, I totally forgot to write this down. But shortly after our last episode dropped, I think it was our last episode, was Last Minute at the Brooklyn Bridge. We do these yes. so far ahead of time that I can't remember <laughs> where they fall in. Yes. And we asked the audience, who none of you responded, by the way, but that's okay. <laughs> that's, that's neither here nor there. But I, I Googled how is traffic on the Brooklyn Bridge oh, you on did. Christmas Eve. Okay. And it brought up some results from TripAdvisor from a few years ago. And they do say there is a, quite a lot of traffic on Christmas Eve going in and out of the city. Okay. You know, last minute shoppers and people trying to get to their families and out of work and whatnot. Uh-huh. And it's less traffic on, you know, Christmas Day itself because nothing's really open in the city for the most part. You know, the bigger stores are closed. Yeah. So there we go. So it is plausible that there could have been quite a bit of traffic on the Brooklyn Bridge on Christmas Eve. Yeah, I would, but I would imagine that people would be done their shopping by the time Santa is out delivering presents. That's true. But, but like, we, like we said, we couldn't determine we when exactly Santa yeah. was flying around the city. It seems fairly early in the evening. Yeah, from, I mean, you know, according to the NORAD, NORAD Santa tracker, he doesn't get to this part of the world until about 11 o'clock at night. 10 30 11 o'clock now i know this because i watch the santa tracker so that i know when i have to go to bed so that he leaves presents at our house you know to be fair 10 30 11 o'clock at night in new york city is probably nothing well i think we've talked enough for this week i, I think people appreciate this uh this long-winded episode <laughs> We'll see how we get going through the rest of them that we have to record today. The rest of them will be like 15 minutes, 11 minutes, 7 minutes. Because, you, you know, not to ruin the illusion, but we do record like three or four in a row. So. No, we, we get together every Tuesday night. Yeah. And record and you bring it out on Wednesday morning. Yeah. I mean, technically we could do that, but we don't. No, no. <laughs> So, John, if anyone wants to finally answer our questions, where can they find us? <laughs> well, our listeners can follow us at Santa Minute on Twitter, on Instagram, and on Facebook. And they can also email us at SantaByTheMinute at gmail.com. Well, I couldn't say everything. I couldn't say everything because I have to lead into reminding everyone that Ben and I post a brand new episode each and every Wednesday. And you can listen to any of our episodes. For free!